0: I think the most important thing in a partnership is that they have different skills and talents than you.
1: Boom. Hello, everybody. How are you doing today? It's a new day. It's a fresh day. I hope you're up shaking and baking. So I always say that all my guests are fascinating humans and entrepreneurs in all that they do. And this one is a banger. This is Mr. Rob Moore in the building. Mr. Rob Moore. How are you doing, man? <laughs>
0: No one's called me a banger before. Like
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a street terminology of forcing that this is going to be great.
0: I'm looking forward to this, Paul. So um it's a pleasure to be on your show.
1: Really, really, really do M- Mr. Rob, I want to start by saying, I mean, you've written 18 books. You host two fascinating podcasts. I mean, I listen to your podcast geek out on it seriously. So the first question I want to ask you is, I don't want to ask you a question that a lot of people have asked you because uh, I, I want to come from this space whereby it can be a blessing and an upliftment to people who listen to me. In what way has content, because you embraced it really fast, how has it helped in deal flow and creating of opportunities for your business?
0: Um, well, I'm not a celebrity in the traditional sense, but every time I go to London or Dubai or I went to Paris to watch the rugby semi-final. I get recognized quite regularly across the world. Sometimes it's twice, sometimes it's four or five or six times when I go out. And, you know, I became a millionaire age 31 and no one really knew me then. And I became a DECA millionaire age 35 and I built the UK's largest property training company. And I would get recognized zero to one time, any time I would go to a new city. But within one year of launching my podcast, Disruptors, And like we said earlier, me doing regular content on Facebook, just in that one year doing content, uh, my recognition exponentially grew. And now um, I've had 35 million views on TikTok in the last 60 days. Across all of our channels now, we're regularly over 200 million downloads and views a year. And 80% of that is in the UK, Paul, but 20% of that is in every country in the world. So, content's given me the reach, the exposure, the, um, the brand, the notoriety that even becoming a multimillionaire never gave me. In, in terms of deal flow, well, it's where I now find most of my clients. We spend between 150,000 and 350,000 a month on paid ads. Yet my brand would bring in regularly equal to what that ad spend would bring in that my company pays. So you could say that my brand is worth between 150 and 350,000 a month in ad spend. So there are kind of a a few little things, um, you know, that having a brand has done for me. Wow.
1: This is very, 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 very powerful. This is powerful, powerful. No wonder some people say that actually people follow the brand, people follow follow the personal brand more than they follow the company brand. A lot of people know you, they don't know your company.
0: (laughs) Very
1: true. A lot of people know you, they don't know your company. That's very fascinating. Um. So, what what is the mistake that you think entrepreneurs make in working the media so that it, it it can be in their favor? I learned something from you when you spoke about news jacking. I learned that you taught that once and you said that when you see something in the news, look for a way to contextualize it for your business and, 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 and piggyback on that, I learned that from you. I wanted to speak on why entrepreneurs don't newsjack or don't use the media for their opportunities.
0: Yeah, so newsjacking is when something happens in the mainstream legacy media, uh, then you can comment on it in your own unique way. Now, what I'm not saying is become a reader. Because, um, you know, that might not be relevant to your brand. But anything that happens in the media, which I think is relevant to starting a business, being an entrepreneur and making money, it might be some things in politics. It might be some things in the banking system, the interest rates. It might be a a company that evades tax. It might be a big company that went bust. It might be a company that made record profits, whatever. Um, I'm pretty good now at, Commenting on that, and then guiding people through, and me explaining the lessons relative to that media. Um, It could be uh, something that's viral. It could be something that everyone is talking about. It, It could be some breaking news. And once you've captured that, you've captured the energy and the emotion of the masses, and then you can turn that energy and emotion of the masses into your next action. Maybe they'll read your book. Maybe they will follow you on social media. So that's what newsjacking is. And actually, I am actually a pretty humble guy, Paul, but I'm gonna do a brag here. Uh, I'm probably one of the best in the UK at doing this newsjacking thing. Um, and like you said, you know, I've, I've taught it a lot. Um, uh, what, what mistakes do people make? Well, number one is they don't do this. Number two is they worry about what people will think about their posts on social media. So um, they just stay silent and quiet. The problem is if no one knows you, you can have the best product or service or business in the world. You could be Ferrari of cars, but if no one knows you, no one's going to buy your cars. So people either don't put themselves out there. They're scared to do it. Um, they're worried about the, the sort of the kickback. I mean, I talk a lot about uh, you know, the government, the tax system, the money system and some stuff that's pr- probably the, ma- the mainstream or whoever controls the world. They're probably not going to like it, but I don't mind talking about it um, because someone's got to talk about it mm-hmm. and uh, it might as well be me. Mm,
1: mm, mm. Fantastic. Fantastic. Rob, you once said that money exaggerates your good traits and I'm afraid it can also exaggerate the dark traits. I'm coming. You also once said that, because I really researched you, you also once said that if you want to be a billionaire, you've got to be willing to help over a 100 million people. You've written about money. We know you as the money guy. Mr. Rob Moore, what is money?
0: Money is a universal exchange of value, a unit of count, a measure of store and worth. Money is energy. Money is one of the greatest stories of fiction that man has created. Money is an one of the greatest tools that man has created. There you go. That's pretty much all the definitions of money squashed into 30 seconds. Um, Now, money isn't evil, money isn't good. The root of all evil is not money. The root of all evil is not the love of money. The root of all evil is evil. The root of all good is good. You could have a billionaire philanthropist who gave all of his money away. Chuck Feeney, who just recently passed away, managed to give away his billions before before he died. So he became a philanthropist with his billions. And then there are billions who are maybe a bit corrupt and maybe a bit greedy and a bit powerful. What's the difference between those two billionaires? Just their values as a human. So a lot of people think that money is evil, money is bad, money changes you, you know, blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. Only you are good or bad. Only you change you. Money is an enabler and an exaggerator. You can do more good with money, the good that you already do. You can do more bad with money, the bad that you already do.
1: Mm. That's mm. money. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So how, how, do people, how do people, do you believe that people can attract money? Because there was one time when you were working with your dad, you had a picture of a 1987 Ferrari Testarossa. Testa in your sort of like a, some people call it a vision board. And of course you have fantastic cars. You attracted that car. You've had, you have that car, right? Do you believe that money can be attracted as well as your thoughts attract things to you?
0: Yes and no. So you can attract the things into your life because thoughts become things, everything in existence in the universe that you and I can see and touch at first was a thought a podcast was at first a thought a video camera was at first a thought a watch was at first a thought so thoughts become things the thing manifests from the thought so in that regard you can attract money with correct intention and thought however in between the thought and the thing was a shitload of hard work breakages bottlenecks, stops and starts, and failures, and mistakes, and trials, and errors, and criticism, and trolling, and hate. And then finally, victory. And I see these people talking about numerology, and numbers make you rich, and you can manifest, <laughs> you know, here's how to manifest a lottery ticket win. No! <laughs> That's the start, that's the seed. The seed doesn't become the tree without the sun, the rain, the struggle of growing the roots deep before you see the tiny shoots and then the fruits. So attraction works because you are what you think. If you think that money is abundant, you will see abundant opportunities. If you think money is scarcity, you will never see any money. But you, there's attraction and there's action.
1: mmm. Mm, mm hmm Hmm. and there's consistent action rob between the age of 12 and 13 you lost three stone in eight weeks because you were being bullied in school when i was thinking about that i said this is number one a lot of self-agency and drastic action does that do you translate that attitude to business today, today and how come people are so soft now
0: Right. Uh, okay. So I lost my weight when I was the fattest kid in school because I couldn't stand it any longer. So my pain had got so big. I, I was sick. Um, I was fed up of being fed up. I hated feeling uh, teased, bullied, alone, ostracized and an outsider. And that pain got to the point where it was bad enough where I changed schools. And in between the change of schools, I had that eight week summer holiday. And, and, and I had, a, a, an, I had accountability. Um, I lost the weight, but I didn't lose some of the emotional baggage that carried, I carried with that weight. People-pleasing, um, you know, non, um, a conflict avoider, which would manifest problems later in my life that I've managed to understand what that all means now. Um, in terms of self-agency, Yeah, I think maybe there's a a fraternity of society that have become a bit entitled or soft or weak or woke or victim or blame culture. But there's also a a fraternity in a, a section of society who are relentless, hardworking, hustling, value creating, start and scale up entrepreneurs. So I don't think everyone's gone soft and weak. I think in we've had a lot of good times up until COVID. You know there weren't many wars in the West, some but not many. Um, and you know for maybe a few decades it was really low interest rates for 12 years, and we had a relatively good economy from 2009 onwards. So if if you are like 18 years old at 2009, you haven't seen hardship until 2020 well, 2020, you haven't seen any hardship for 11 years. And when you've seen no hardship, you, you can't help but be fairly weak and dependent um, and, and somewhat entitled because that's what you think is normal. But that's not normal. I know that because I'm 44 and I knew that it was hard, um, you know, in the mid 2000s. And I knew it was hard when I was young. So um, we've got this divide going on where some people are relentlessly working to change the world and change their own lives and then we've got some people who are maybe of younger generations that uh, you know believe, that, believe in fairness rather than merit um, and, and you know believing that uh, well we should take all the money off the rich and give it to the poor um, and you know, they want to spend all their time talking about what other people are doing wrong instead of looking at their own life and how they can change their own life.
1: Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Rob, you know, Charlie Munger said that uh, we should not disrupt anything that is compounding unnecessarily. And I know that uh, money is not the only thing that compounds, it's your your skill also compounds. When you, when I started listening to you when i was in nigeria i was listening to your podcast a lot even from nigeria up until now living in the uk there are a lot of people that started a journey with you about that time i don't they are not as relevant as you are today you just keep going on and on and on a i want you to talk about what is the future of podcasting and audio in the world and how it attracts businesses that's one then number two What is the power of surrounding yourself with a great team? Because I know that you have a
0: great team. Okay. Um, Yeah, the law of compounding uh, states that essentially the longer you do something, the bigger it gets, whether that's a seed that turns into a tree or a, a dollar that turns into a million or consistent healthy eating makes you fit. Consistent gym work makes you strong. Consistent learning about sales makes you good at selling. So, um, you know, some people are a little bit impatient and they don't let compounding kick in long enough or they start, you know, they maybe disrupt themselves too early or change their mind too early or change their job or their income stream too early or sometimes they start their own business too early and you'll never really know unless you, you look backwards. <laughs> Well, I mean, 90% of businesses apparently fail in the first year and 90% of those in the first three. So that 90% and then that 90% of that 10% started their business too early. Um, Now, because everyone says, oh no, start now. Now's the time. Well, now's the time to start planning, but now isn't necessarily the time to quit your job and hand in your notice. So, uh, you know, but like that, Really, you can only make that decision. I mean, I actually had a job for a year after I'd worked for my dad for two or three. Yeah, and honestly, that probably was a bit early, but I made it work. So sometimes, you know, if you do it early, you make it work. Um, So, but time will tell, won't it? And you'll only know if it was the right decision looking backwards. Um, So there was another two parts of your question. I covered the compounding bit. Um, yes, I think people are a bit impatient nowadays. I've, I've noticed that. I was probably impatient when I was in my mid twenties, but I, I've just not, I've just seen a few instances recently uh, where I'm like, "You're just a bit impatient," and they may prove me wrong. And and if there's someone I want to succeed, I hope they prove me wrong. Um, but unless they ask me, for, unless they ask me for that feedback, I will, I, I will keep that to myself. But you know, for example um let's say you want to get someone on your show for your podcast well if you email them every day you're going to piss them off and you're going to push them away if you never follow up they're going to forget about you so there is a balance to uh, you know because people are just hustle 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 um uh, yeah so what was the second the second part of the question
1: is what is the future of audio as a genre. Yes, that. Yes. What is the future of yeah, that? Was because, it. for example, Rob, and I've got to give it to you. I think that you are a pioneer pioneer of this. The Brits are doing a killer job, a great job at the podcasting space. You've got uh, Modern Wisdom. You've got yes. Harry Stebbins of 20VC. Of, uh, is killing it. I mean, I to he's a venture capitalist and doing doing tremendously well. So what is the future of audio? We've got the the diary of the CEO guy. I know you started this whole thing. What is the future of audio?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been doing podcasts for, for coming up to the ninth year. So you mentioned some of those successful podcasts that probably were relatively inspired by mine or podcasts like mine. <clears throat> so the future is, excuse me one second. <clears throat> the audio space is relatively new in, in the podcasting sense. Obviously there's radio, but w- with podcasts, it 's more on demand and self selecting with radio, you have to listen to it live, you have to go through the commercials, whereas a podcast you can listen to it when you want. you can fast forward, you can skip through the ads, you can skip to the you know the, the second half so it 's kind of on demand audio and, and that 's probably only twenty years old that 's not that long so if you think about what 's the future of audio, well, maybe the roots are still growing of the tree so um, why is audio good it 's because you can listen in the car, you can listen in the gym you can listen when you 're walking you can listen when you 're in the ice bath you can listen when you 're in the sauna you you can listen when you 're doing something else you can listen when you 're doing the cleaning you can you can do something else and put content in whereas with video you can 't because you have to watch you can 't drive and watch a video you can drive and watch a podcast so It's a good time leverage hack. Um, And so for that reason, as we get busier and busier, and the algorithm feeds us more and more ads and interrupts us more and more, and our concentration span gets less and less, the need to create time leverage is going to be even more important. Uh, Therefore, the future of audio still has a long way to go, in in my opinion.
1: Fantastic, fantastic. Rob, if you had to do it all over again and you've got a new product coming out, which would you develop first? The audience for the product or the product first?
0: If I had no audience, I would try and build a small audience first. So maybe I would plan to launch in 90 days and that's quite a challenging target to build as big an audience as possible in 90 days, but it's a bit like having an eight-week training camp for a fight it's like a hard stop so I think right I've got I've got my product ready I'm going to launch in three months and I am going to post every day on every single channel and try and build an audience as much as possible and then launch because if you wait until you've got the right size audience to launch you'll never launch because you always want a bigger audience um but if you um if you do the opposite you probably never build the product so that's what that's what I would do um and then I would launch a version one I would drop the price a bit add in a couple of bonuses and I would look after my initial cohort of new members, subscribers, and customers, maybe for 90 days. I'd get all the feedback off. I'll give you an example. I'm, my, my daughter, I've just helped her start her first business. She's nine. And, and what she does is she makes bracelets. Um, and, you know, quite a few people charge, I don't know, maybe five to ten pounds for these bracelets. And I said to her, charge three pounds uh, and say to people that they've got a money back or, or a, um, a guarantee whereby if it breaks, you will make them another one and go and sell 50 and get feedback. So I, am, I brought her into my offices. She, she, I mean, she, she sold 100 quid in 45 minutes of these bracelets. I'm really proud of her. So her first nine years old. She hand makes these. She got her mum making them last night, so she was doing a bit of leverage. Um, and... And she sold them £3 for one, £5 for two. Money back guarantee. If they break, I'll make you another one. And already someone said, oh, you just need to make them about two centimetres bigger because they're a bit small. So not, now she's going to go and make them a bit bigger. And she's like, you know, if they're a bit small, they do break. So, she, so her, her next version, her next round is going to be more robust or better sized. That's how I would launch. Because let's say you did 90-day pre-launch, you did 90-day delivery. Then you've got another 90 days to build even more audience. And then you might do another launch in 90 days, which means you've had 180 days to build your audience. Mm,
1: mm, mm, mm. Rob, I, I, I want to ask you a specific question because I, I really want this to help people. What is di- the difference in your own opinion, in your own world, b- between sales and marketing? Because this is an ongoing debate. So that people know when they are marketing and when they are selling.
0: Uh, Yeah, someone could be a hybrid of both, potentially. So, marketing is generating the lead, the prospect, and sales is converting the lead or prospect into money. Simple as that. So, if you have a shop, marketing is getting people into the shop. Sales is getting them to buy something once they're in the shop. Now, if you cannot get people into your shop, you cannot sell anything. If you cannot convert people in your shop, you cannot sell anything. So you need both. But if you're great at marketing, i.e. people resonate so much with what you've got, your marketing can do your selling for you. If you're great at selling, you can be not so good at marketing because your sales conversions are high. Now, can you be good at both? Yes, because they're similar, aren't they? They're, they're, They're both trying to influence someone to make a decision. They're both trying to change someone's mind about something. They're both trying to generate interest in something. So, so they're similar. So sales and marketing go hand in glove. But if you ask me, gun to the head, Rob, what's the most important? Marketing. Because if you're great at marketing, you can always generate more leads. And let's say you're not good at sales. You've got a lower conversion percentage, but you're great at marketing, so you can just generate more leads. But if you're good at sales and not marketing, you've got no one in your shop and you can't sell anything.
1: Yes. I think marketing is important because you you generate a lot of attention and then your salespeople close. Your salespeople close. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Rob, I know that you're a very busy guy, but let me just ask you two more questions and I'll let you go. You've got a partner in your business. 50-50. 50-50. Great relationship. Great, 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 great relationship. Like, it reminds me of Charlie Munger and um, Warren Buffett. Recently, Charlie Munger was on a podcast. I mean, he's 99. He's almost 100 years old now. He was in, it was, in, it was, in, it was on the Acquired Podcast. Great conversation. Couldn't talk very well, but hey, it was great. And they they asked him about the power of partnership. That how do they do it? Because the, the guys doing the interview, they are partners in their podcast as well. And then there's something he said. He said, first rule i think you've got to like the person (laughs) rob what is your rule on partnership because you've got a successful partnership you are the marketer of the partnership you are the you are the you are the the face (laughs) and your partner is you know we we don't know him but he's making shit happen
0: Well, can I just say whatever drugs you took before this episode, I want, I want some of them. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My one rule for partnership is slightly different. Now, I really respect Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett. They've been doing it for 80 years. No, 85 years. So hats off to those guys. People like those, they don't make them like that anymore. I love those I love those guys. Mine's going to be a bit different. I think the most important thing in a partnership is that they have different skills and talents than you. Because let me ask you this. Would you rather really like them, but they don't add any value to your partnership because they do the same thing or they have no skills? Or would you rather, no? well, you know what? We wouldn't be mates, but they're they're damn good. They're the yin to my yang. Which would you rather? Because I would rather, you know know, what, we're not mates, but we are business partners and we're professional. But he's good at legals, contracts, finance, accounting, or, you know, technical, analytical, insurance, which by the way, Mark's brilliant at all those. He's good at finding problems. And I'm good at strategy, vision, finding solutions, coming up with ideas. Now, Mark happens to be, you know, my dearest friend, as well as... A great business partner but we are really different and and so in that regard we used to socialize a lot we don't really anymore um and we do think very differently so i think the golden rule of partnership is that they're different
1: hmm mm. let me quote you you said that if both partners do exactly the same thing one of them is unnecessary <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's exactly yeah. from your lips man <laughs> Wow. Last question. If you have to start all over again, what specific skill will you develop first and why? I'm guessing the skill, but I I just want to know the why.
0: Okay. Um, This is actually not clear cut. I would probably learn the following four skills, but maybe in this order. So number one, I would learn to be an effective communicator. Number two, I would learn to be a good marketer. Number three, I would learn to be good at sales. And number four, I would learn to be good at investing. Now, if you cannot communicate effectively, you can't do the other three. You you can't market well if you can't communicate well. You can't, I'll I'll give you an example. Here's something that commonly happens to me, Paul, is I'll ask someone for something, one specific, I'll, I'll give you an example. I recently asked a load of video editors to do some short form video editing, where they would take my long form and cut it into short form. And quite a few people said to me, oh, Rob, yeah, I can do that, but I can also analyze your full channel and I can get you on other podcasts as as guests and we can set up an agency together. And immediately I was like, no, because I didn't ask for those three things. uh, I asked for this one thing. So their ability to communicate with me back what I was communicating with them was, was not good. Uh, and, and so Warren Buffett actually said, the single best skill he ever learned was learning public speaking. I think it was Toastmasters he did. So I would say to anyone, go, go to a local public speaking meeting, go and stand up. Even if you stand up at a networking event first and you do a 30 second pitch and you read your first one off a piece of paper, it's better than nothing. I remember my first one. Hi, I'm Rob Moore. I'm co-founder of Progressive Property. We save you time and make you money by helping you to invest in a hands-free property portfolio that you could one day retire on. Job done. I mean, it was 15 years ago that I last said that. And I remember it word for word, because I scripted it. And that was my first public speaking was, I am Rob Moore, I co-founded Progressive Property and and, and, and that. And, and, And it's amazing that just learning that, you can still remember it 15 years on. So communication number one. Now, marketing is communicating why you need me and why you need what I've got that, you know, marketing is essentially communication. Now, I, I said sales because without sales, you don't have a business. And then I said investing, but uh, equally with investing, I would say being on, an entrepreneur, i.e. being a business owner, that that would go equal with me. I'd probably do it in that order. Rob, this has been a fascinating,
1: fascinating, fascinating conversation. I, I really, really appreciate this. Uh, thank you for all that you do. Um, Rob, um, is there, is there, if people listen to this podcast and they say they want to join your community they want to get your product they want to learn more about you where should we direct them to so we put that in the
0: show notes well i've written 18 books so if you go on amazon you can find them i've got my podcast disruptors and that's on youtube and every channel that's on social media you can find them but actually i think the best place for your specific listeners to go to would be my um, rob.team which is my digital financial freedom platform and on there, there's hundreds of hours of courses, yeah, resources, masterclasses, masterminds, network meetings, less than 22 pence a day, cancel any time, no ongoing contract. So it's for start and scale ups and for people who want to make, manage and multiply money. You just literally type in R-O-B dot T-E-A-M. I think if you start there, that's the core of which you'll find out how to build multiple streams of income, Yeah, you know, how to um, reduce your tax bill, how to up your, um you know your earning power how to start your business how to scale your business and then you can say if you need to learn more about money or business or social media you can go from there so that's a great start i'm going
1: to put that in the show notes for people to um, to to go there thank you thank you <music>